we'll start here. Uh, I'm sure our listeners already know, um, but uh, we're very excited today for our guest. This is uh, Jonathan Hertzberg, the uh, founder and uh, the person who ru- who runs it all for uh, Fun City Editions. Um, so, you know, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I, I, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun here this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, we thought we'd uh, we'd dive in um, to some of your more recent releases to okay. start. Um, so, John, you want to you want to kick us off? I mean, we just figured we wouldn't. We'll get we'll get praise for your label out of the way <laughs> here, so we're not just kissing your ass on each release throughout this whole thing. But you know, people should because it's a pretty good label, and as many of these listeners and fans of yours know, it's. Uh, it's very different for most boutique labels. You're not necessarily trying to dig out the most like rare, untouched gems from the earth. I mean, some of them probably people have never heard of, but there are movies that you put out that I think people have heard of. But it's uh, it's an interesting mission to take things out of copyright hell and kind of bring movies like Smile and um, I don't know Morven Collar into a wider audience and have them look better than they ever have and each release is just a total banger so now that we've gotten that out of the way let's uh Uh, now you now you now you can slag me (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this year's been off to a hot start uh morvin was this year right was that the first release of this year yes that was that was actually the first of the year that it that was announced okay yeah. yeah, this was a big one for, I mean, Will and I texted a lot about this because we both love this movie. It's Will's favorite Christmas movie. Too. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, I don't think it's been said enough that it's a, that it's a Christmas movie or, I mean, I know there's a lot of debate about that. People go on about things like Die Hard. And I mean, I don't actually celebrate the holiday myself, but it, you know, it, it's in that, it's in the time period. So I think yeah. it, like you know whether you don't celebrate or if you used to celebrate and shit just makes you fucking sad what better than to watch more of them calling (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i also can't think of a better movie i think for people to maybe get on board with this label if they haven't because Mm. man that's a movie that like i mean so many motherfuckers are attempting to make movies like morbid collar to this day Mm -hmm. And they don't even, they, they don't get close to touching uh, this movie. I mean, this is obviously just a big favorite of yours, yes? Yes. I mean, it was a movie that I saw when it came out. Um, and over the years, it was something that I was surprised that it wasn't, like a lot of people, that it was hadn't hadn't been reissued in a, you know, hadn't been restored in a long time. There was an ancient DVD for, almost 20 years. Uh, it was, and it was something that I'd kind of been tracking for a few years, even, um, before, uh, before fun city, uh, in, you know, previous, previous stops of mine. Uh, so I just felt, yeah, wow, this is, um, it's a movie that over, you, you know, there's, it's growing audience. It's a beloved film. And, um, and, and even though it's a more, even though it's more recent than some of the other titles we've done, it, it, it didn't feel like it was, it didn't feel like it was out of place. Um, and it is, yeah, it is definitely like a movie that um, I felt like, yeah, this will get, 
this this will and has gotten more or new eyes on our on our company even though you know it was over a year into our existence so yeah no it was just super exciting to put something that beloved out there and again just something when it hasn't for whatever one reason or another been been updated uh and been given the the treatment that it that it should uh it's nice to be able to you know step in there and and uh, and again like i've said before it's just more fun to do stuff like that that hasn't been done as opposed to uh you know something that's already had multiple good iterations on on uh, physical media yeah well it does kind of speak to something we were talking about with like uh sort of how programming seems to be going the way of well i don't know i guess an extinct animal and it's 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 a, a putting on a movie like Mormon Collar is way more interesting I think in many ways because it's a movie that yeah maybe a lot of people haven't heard of they're probably familiar with Lynn Ramsey but maybe this is the one they hadn't known but like there's this is a movie that it just feels so incredibly modern and 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 I would say that almost kind of you know rings true for a lot of the titles that um, Fun City has put out but I, I just think, yeah, the world, if you, they don't know more than color, that's a movie that it's got to, I think for young people too, especially like younger film goers, like that's a movie that would speak volumes. I mean, no other movie has put Blue Milk by Hysteria Lab in there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the, the soundtrack is unimpeachable and it, it, and, and, it, and it sort of is like, like school for like how to use, for how to use music and film, uh, basically. Um, and, and yeah, it does have a, well, it does have, it is one of those films that does feel like it's just gotten better with time. I know that's kind of a cliche, but it doesn't feel necessarily rooted to uh, 2001, 2002, uh, you know, when it was made and, and released. Um, and it, it, because like you say, it's influence, it's one of those movies, I guess it's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like one of those albums that uh, everyone who heard it formed a band, you know, that cliche. Maybe it is one of those movies. It's like that, that a lot of people have uh, tried to pick up, a, have picked up a camera and, 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 you know, and strove to try to do something similar to, to, to Morver. I want to, I want to use this one too, to highlight one of my favorite things that you do thus far with all your releases um that your i love that your special features are are it's it's clear how much thought goes into it because there are i think there are times and i you know i love a stacked release with tons of special features and all that but sometimes it feels like people are just putting shit on to put shit on mm-hmm. um and that doesn't feel like the case with yours and especially with this one like i love that you've included essays in all your releases um mm-hmm. But especially this one, um, KJ Rells Miller, who, you know, it should be mentioned as one of the programmers in the game, still doing great fucking work at UCLA. Um, but her essay for this is, oh, it's just fantastic. And it, um, to me, gets across a lot of uh, the vibe I've gotten from your releases that you're never telling people how to watch these movies, just that you think it's worth hmm. It's worth it for people to watch them come up with their own thoughts, um, you know, but that these are all just worthwhile things. And I just love that your all your special features seem to work towards that purpose. Oh, that's, a, that's nice of you to say it. It's, uh, I, I hadn't even thought about it that 
um, specifically or that deeply per se. Um, it's more like, you know, it's more just uh, the goal is to provide context to historicize the piece and have have features that that do that for people so that if they like the movie or they're or maybe they don't get the movie or maybe maybe something doesn't quite click sometimes the sometimes the essay or commentary or something um completes the picture in a way uh or makes you know can can help a viewer see see the film in a different way uh or you know or they don't need to look at them or listen to it at all uh but i but yeah, I've, I've tried to definitely not have stack necessarily stack the uh, the the release with a with a bunch of stuff just to have it. Um, you know, I've tried more often than not to keep it to top of the line talent if we have them if we can get them on the on the disc in a you know in ter- in a form of an interview with the director or something or a commentary or the star of the film. Um, you know, obviously sometimes it doesn't happen. Um, Morvern is one of those examples, but not for lack of trying. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you, that you guys have appreciated what we've done and that they're not necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily like all the bells and whistles that some of the other releases sometimes from other companies seem to have with interviews with, the first AD and you know <laughs> some someone like eighteen names down in the cast. I, I mean, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but I, we just don't. I just I, there's been times where someone you know where that's been a maybe possibility, and I just thought uh, you know uh, sometimes even the lead actor doesn't have much to say about a movie. Um, not sure what I could really do with someone who's. Uh, you know, a very supporting player in it, just, just to have that person on there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm someone who never watches special features on Blu-rays. Like I'm always like, I'm like, that's good that that's on there and I'm going to check it out one day. Yeah. I right. never do. Well, there's just too many, you got too many, there's too many things to watch. It's all about some people watch one thing and then they watch it again with the commentary. They, they, they do exhaust every all the content on the disc and some people say like you like well i want to watch another movie instead of watching this movie again uh, you know with the commentary say um but but that's why i do think the most at, at, at the end of the day the most important thing is making sure that the feature that the movie itself looks as good as it can look and so that's certainly something that we value above the other stuff and uh, you know we've every, everything we've done has been a new a new restoration i mean sometimes it, it's been something that we got from somewhere else but it's you, it, they've all been new new restorations so and I, I think the standards it's at this point in terms of what people have in their homes uh to watch you know they're 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 the different the home theater you know the quality has gotten a lot more easy or more affordable uh to achieve so i think you really see the difference when you look at something that's an outdated master when you see it if you put in a blu-ray that's from five years ago or ten years ago you could tell that it was that that the that the master was done on you could tell it was done a long time ago and probably done on inferior 
equipment to what's available now. So that's, yeah, that's something that uh, I hope people appreciate. I mean, I got to say my home theater system really improved with this pandemic because I'll tell you, that's where those Biden bucks went, (laughs) so to say Brandon bucks. So the first thing I saw from you all was uh, I started counting. I saw that Blu-ray. And um, weirdly enough, I had heard the theme song before (laughs) I had seen the movie. And yeah, so, that's well. That song has gotten that song has gotten out there for like twenty. I would say like twenty years. It's been kind of um, in the in the consciousness of of uh, certain listeners because it's been on some compilations. Um, yeah, Johnny uh, Trunk. Uh, Johnny Trunk has been a big. He's a big Basil Kirchin. You know, he's he's the like Basil Kirchin champion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I had heard the song too before I saw the movie as well. So. What a bang. It's what a great song. <laughs> but yeah, it's very, it's funny. I mean, when the reviews started coming out of the movie, there were some people that were like, that goddamn song, I can't get it out of my head. It's terrible that <laughs> I can't stop hearing it. And I was just like, oh, come on. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i with you. I am I think it's brilliant. I think the music in that is, I, oh, love, yeah. the, I love the whole score. Um, yeah. And also like, that's a big part of a lot of our releases are, is the music. I feel like uh, a lot of my choices, because I'm a soundtrack geek uh, to basically too much since I'm a kid to my core. So music is a big part of um, my, I experienced a lot of these films uh, very deeply through, through the music. So people have mentioned, and it's true that a lot of our releases are, do have a strong music uh, component or something that's kind of interesting. Like Basil Kirchner's a guy who's not your typical, he's not a typical film composer. He, he comes from a different world and has a whole reputation and uh, import uh, that's outside of his film work. So yeah. uh, it was cool to have, you know, have a film from, um, you know, from a guy who someone like Eno calls, I think Eno has a quote that he's like the, uh, godfather of ambient music or something like that i uh yeah which is funny because i think he's talking about worlds within worlds and it's like imagine Eno be like saying that and then it's just you hear that record and it's like babies crying and it's like (laughs) right oh yeah right Eno has the he has the liner notes on 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 those i think on the worlds world worlds within worlds <laughs> yeah, that was how I had first heard of actually Basil Christian was reading that, and because yeah. I was like a huge Eno guy growing right. up, and still I'm even you know I'm adopting the look nowadays. It's you know it, it's uh, it's worked for him. Yeah, Will Will is Eno and Roxy music, and I am. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> yes. Well, that made me. That's a good uh, a good. Uh, connection to i i rewatched um as we were working up to this uh rewatched uh one of your upcoming releases um which i'm very excited for cutter's way um and i was thinking about jack nietzsche who is a chicago guy who did that who did that soundtrack oh my god i forgot how fucking incredible it is the soundtrack was amazing oh it's yeah yeah no i mean that was one of my most wanted for years and years like because it was not available for ever until uh the last like five six years that it finally got an official soundtrack release mm-hmm. and yeah i love nietzsche I, I love every like everything um you know all the pop stuff that he produced or arranged and then yeah all the so many of the scores are 
he's like an interesting he's just so interesting because he was a pop guy but also a classical guy and yeah and uh he had uh he composed original music but then he also like brought in uh uh artists to do songs and produce those like the cruising soundtracks a good example oh, it's, yeah. it's like all such a crazy uh, patchwork of uh of music and sounds uh and, and you know and not in any way obviously not in any way a traditional you know score um yeah or blue yeah. collar even oh yeah totally yeah absolutely yeah. And I forgot about the Robert Downey Sr. stuff. Like when I was digging back in this morning, I was like, I forgot oh, that this dude was just holy shit. <laughs> it's on everything. Yeah. yeah. No, holy shit. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, unfortunately, it's uh, uh I think um not the most uh kind of an erratic guy, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah left, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, he left he left behind, yeah, he left behind he left behind quite a body of work, and it's still kind of He's still kind of under, especially I think everywhere. He's still kind of underappreciated. Whether it's in pop, whether you know where a lot of I think he gets overshadowed maybe by Spectre. Um, yeah, you know, like early on when he's doing when he's he's part of the Phil Spector Wall of Sound and uh, and even with the Stones and all the all those areas that he you know in pop music that he had very you know he was very formative, but kind of overshadowed by bigger names. And then I think in music in film scoring, um, and I'm a big film score nut. He definitely doesn't get talked about in the same way by those soundtrack dorks, like, uh, like a, you know, like a goldsmith or, uh, obviously, or John Williams or, you know, some of these other composers that are contemporaries but uh because Nietzsche's stuff is definitely different from project to project it's not like yeah. one he doesn't do like one type of uh you know one type of music or one type of score so mm-hmm. I yeah. love but yeah Cutter's Way is probably his, it, that probably is in terms of his film score uh um like non-diegetic score work like you know that's probably I think it's it's probably the, maybe it is the most successful from front to back. Mm. Yeah, in terms of how it's incorporated into the film and, and works as a standalone listening experience as well. Yeah, I was gonna say that and Cuckoo's Nest for his uh, soundtracks are just you know you can play those and without ever having to see the movie, mm-hmm. um, and you probably should see the movie too. But you know. <laughs> But it's just funny he could do that while also producing like Neil Young's like most well-known records. And um, I wonder though, is he a little overshadowed because of uh, some charges that he caught throughout his life? I, I sort of feel like that stuff. I mean, maybe I think I think that I feel like that stuff came later. Like, wasn't he actually on an episode of Cops? I think. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. He's actually in an episode. I mean, Wait. I didn't mean for this. To, I didn't mean for this to turn into like the the Jack Nietzsche. Uh, uh, we're not. We're not. We're not like doing the best job selling the guy. Perhaps if we go into all of the um, all of the uh, legal issues. But yeah, not the not not the not the prettiest picture. But yeah, I, I believe he was on an episode of Cops getting arrested for like. Um, I don't know if he was, it was like violating a restraining order. Uh, uh, yeah, but not, oh, not, not, yeah. not good. Some, or he was just totally messed up and, uh, um, and 
stoned or something and being violent. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but forget all, you know, separate the art from the artist, artist from the art. You know, that's, and it's not the first time I, uh, I, I like to call the, I like to call uh, people like that crunchy. It's not the first time a crunchy person, you know, in their personal life did some incredible stuff in the art world that we can still appreciate. So, <laughs> yeah. And it does, you know, I mean, I've talked about this recently um, because I see it a lot on a lot of our releases because our releases come from that a crunchy time period often, um, the 70s in particular. Um, there's a lot of stuff that everyone, all these movies have weird, they have shit that just makes people uncomfortable now that wasn't a big, that, you know, rightly or wrongly just wasn't uh, necessarily commented on or wasn't something that made people um, as upset or, or uncomfortable as they might now. So I look at a lot of contemporary reviews. Maybe I should put reviews in quotes on like Letterboxd. Um, but, you know, I, I love, I use it a lot. You look at it, I, I, I look at it as a gauge to see how, how or if people are responding to stuff that we've released. And it is interesting to see the reviews change or the ratings change especially when people cite a fun seeing this movie because it was a fun city movie and it works for us because some of our movies have, have had such low um viewership before that uh you can really see that it's harder with something like morvern collar that has so many views and people are watching it have been watching it streaming forever and ever but something like jeremy that people weren't really watching as much when the reviews started to come on letterboxd it was mostly because of the blu-ray um you know for the last year and a half or whatever but anyway the reason why i brought this up is because some of the reviews people will love the movie they'll say all these great things about the movie and then they'll just at the end have a little note that there's some there's a triggering moment it's this and i don't know i just look i just feel like you're not gonna look no one's gonna look at you badly because you said you like smile without you saying that there's triggering moments in it because like it's been around for 50 years and I, I, cause I'll go back and look at the reviews, you know, from contemporary times. And I don't know. I just find that sometimes, again, it goes back to context, just like um, try to see the movie through as much as, as much as you can try to shed your 2022 um, uh, point of view and look at the movie as if it was, you know, 1975 or whatever, when it was actually released. I mean, that's hard, obviously hard to do, but I don't know. That's what I strive to do is sort of let the movie take me, uh, lose myself in the movie and not be so concerned about, oh, this is wrong or that's wrong, or we couldn't do that now, or you can't do that. Um, anyway, I don't know. It's just something that I've noticed more because I'm looking, I'm more, I'm looking at our reviews more. So I'm, it's something that I'm seeing as a sort of a, a a trend, I guess. I don't know if you guys feel that way or no. We've never noticed that. <laughs> or if it bothers you, I mean, some people just say, "Hey, it's just, it's just, it's just the way it is," and just you know, move on. And there's nothing you can do about it. So. Yeah, that's why I bailed on social media. That exactly yeah. right there. That that kind of stuff, because I found that in in like day to day person to person interactions. I've experienced that very rarely. Like mm -hmm. it has happened a couple of times where someone will be like, oh, I watched this movie. It's amazing. But this part's pretty fucked, you know, if you're right. looking at it from today. But for the most part, 
face to face that isn't happening. That's true. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And so when I see yeah. it online, I'm just like, yeah, everyone's just trying to make sure they look good. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. they're like, this is going to leave. I'm going to leave this behind. I'm going to leave my Twitter feed behind. And, you know, people are, I mean, yeah, people are combing that shit all the time to find dirt on some, if you ever become, right. If you ever become, you know, have some notoriety or you be, you know, you become um, more well-known. That's where people are going to go. Look what yeah. they do. Yeah. what they say on there? Yeah. It almost seems that people are less even investigating and looking for a way to be like, now in case someone brings this up, I will have something to say about it because this is the uh this is the equivalent of the modern film review is let's do like a, a little deep dive into someone's like alleged back history right as we just did, as we just did with jack nietzsche and i almost feel bad about it but but we love that shit here no, we love, we love, yeah yeah it's, we, only, it's only love for that that dude's output it's again like <laughs> Yeah, we have nothing but scuzzy motherfuckers here. <laughs> they crunchy, as we like to say. So maybe they'll like think of how grateful I am for, uh, um, you know, the work you're doing with this kind of film that we can still watch them. When I was watching Cutter's Way, and uh, John Hurd's character is just oh, he's such a powerhouse. Like just my my favorite performance of his for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I just love that in this film, and I guess for people listening who haven't seen it yet, um, I'll be minorly spoilery here, so you know, skip ahead a second. But wow, you're just gonna spoil the release of Covered Way before it's even hasn't even announced the Blu-ray yet. Just a tiny bit. I just love that these two guys are working towards a goal that is a positive one, right? They're trying to do something that is definitely good but one of them is someone that people now would call a very problematic person, you know, whether it's the, whether it's his comments, whether it's his racial comments or, uh, you know, the stuff about or towards women or whatever it may be. But I just love, I love a film where these guys are definitely trying to do a very good thing (laughs) that is a benefit for everybody, but that they can also be, you know, complicated, messy people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I would say if you go through all of our, I bet all of our releases, like, especially because they're from that, again, that crunchy, uh, particularly crunchy time, which I think the whole 70s kind of kind of applies there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there, there's problematic, complicated, messy, messy characters uh, throughout. Uh, throughout it pretty much we could we could go movie by movie and there would be stuff like oh you couldn't you couldn't do that today or you couldn't have a character say that today or do that because because people are there is a there is a preoccupation now with wanting maybe it's always been this way i shouldn't say just now um but there is a preoccupation with wanting to feel like you have to like really relate to all the characters like they have to check off all the boxes uh, you know that, that that you would actually want to hang out with them or have a beer with them and that's pretty fucking boring i think yes. you feel good about yourself or you want to see yourself reflected and be like i am i'm just as morally aligned as that <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah so yes cutter does a lot of shit that whether you watched it now or watched it in 1981 when it came out that is like wow, yeah, that dude just, I can't believe he just said that. Um, but you can't, I don't know. I, I, I it, it would, 
it would take a lot more for me to just like shut off the movie, shut off to it in, entirely. Right. Uh, no, it's and great. That's when I think like passers, like you know, filmography wide. I I love that he truly he's truly fascinated by interesting people. You know, <laughs> he's not he's never at least. I mean, there's still I still haven't seen the last couple that he made a couple in there. But as far as I know, he never made a movie about boring perfect people <laughs> thank god because i don't want to see that shit because <laughs> they also don't exist and, he knows no, and nobody would, and those are not movies that really at the end of the day nobody's really talk i don't think people really talk about those movies no no the, the, you know it it, it it brings me back to the name of your podcast oscar bait because because i think about how so many of these movies that we're talking about that we've released or that we would love to release or you would love us to release or or release yourselves if you had a label. And so many of those movies are the exact opposite of, of Oscar bait, but they're not the movies that were nominated. They're not the movies that um, we're going to win the awards for the most part. Um, But we're probably talking about a lot of those movies more now than we are the movies that did win the awards. Yeah, it is true. I mean, obviously a movie with a messier character is going to probably be a lot more interesting, but it's it's refreshing to see more movies nowadays that, yeah, have characters that you can't necessarily identify with, or maybe you can identify with them. I was going to say, I think that's part of the problem too. People you don't, don't like it when they relate to somebody who is quote unquote messy or problematic. <laughs> yeah, I just showed someone modern romance and she was like, that guy seems a little... You a little love crazy. It's like, yeah, right. Well, well, yeah. There's certain terms that people throw out a lot now. Yeah, like, a lot of the terms that I see repeated are things like stalkery or rapey, like that. Those tend to be like the terms that people use to describe a lot. Where it's sometimes I feel like maybe that's a little overstated. I don't know, or, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I I could, yeah, modern romance is a good, you know, I can totally see that, see that happening now. That's where, again, you, I feel like you kind of, sometimes when you just see something like that, if it just pops up, say streaming and you have no context, uh, that's, I think, a a case where if you're just like a a viewer that has no idea about Albert Brooks or what's going on here, I can see how, I mean, even that, even back when it came out, it wasn't a big, wasn't like it was a huge hit. Obviously, I don't think any of his movies really were, but um, I do think you, you, you get more out of them when you know more about what the artist is about or what they're, what they're, what what's intentional here and like what is maybe not. I think that's a lot. That's a big thing that people have issue with. Like, oh, uh, is this, is this a fuck up or is this like an intentional fuck up or is this a character that's like intentionally a piece that is is he a piece of shit because he's supposed to be and the filmmakers know it or the filmmakers also pieces of shit and they think this guy's cool right (laughs) i don't know how i'm supposed to you know think about this yeah Uh or is it like art and this is an exaggeration of a thing (laughs) like (laughs) you know or like it's or you know or it's just an embarrassing insecurity that well that is a movie about embarrassing insecurities yeah and also i think it's funny that like you watch if you watch some something like that multiple times at different points in your life 
whether it's different ages or you're going through, or you're at a different personal space, place or space, you're going to look at it differently. You might, uh, you might identify more with one character when you watched it when you were younger. And then years later, you're like, oh, that guy's a monster. I'm, I'm on the side of this person. Um, I mean, maybe not necessarily monster. That might be strong. But you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, your perspective changes. And that's, but that's, um, that's also a strength of the, that's a strength of the movie that it's, that you can, you can fall on different sides of it. And even, even though it's the same movie, just by watching it at different, points in your life but that is something that i think maybe people don't want that ambiguity so much uh, a lot because again that makes them uncomfortable like well what why am i why am i on this guy's why do i relate to this guy when you know he's yeah when i he's wrong there's something (laughs) when i have never (laughs) been hurt by a relationship ending person you know well i've always you know carried on and kept calm <laughs> never, yeah, right, right. Never, never did anything rash or no. uh, yeah. yeah, emotional. Yeah, I've never driven past an ex's house. <laughs> it never happens. Well, it's funny too because Will and I were talking about this. I mean, here's an interaction where I mean, I won't name names, and if I do, I'll bleep them out, Will. So just timestamp them. But um, when we had that discussion at a certain theater um, and we someone started spilling their opinions on uh, um, licorice pizza and, uh, you know, whatever you like the movie or not, but just like the fact that we heard the words an open invitation to pedophilia, <laughs> just like, <laughs> hell yes, wow. <laughs> That's a... Uh, or like yeah into grooming in general which is everyone's favorite buzzword mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it is one, it's definitely one of them if not if not the yeah i i just saw a thing that was hilarious um what did they say was a movie oh i read a review that was like the hunger tony scott's the hunger is a movie about grooming <laughs> or something like that it's like it's about yeah they're vampires they're horny vampires. <laughs> and it kind of cooked into the whole thing there. Yeah. Wow. You noticed that about this movie? <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah. you know, it was just funny with a movie like, you know, Licorice Pizza barely, uh, has barely just come out. And this is a movie, well, I mean, not coincidentally, about the 70s. So, mm-hmm. so even when it's like intentionally trying to invite that kind of critique to have a dialogue or discussion about it the mark still missed so yep but mm-hmm. speaking of uh controversial let's move on to another release uh bill yes. Is oh yes yes um, nobody's right nobody's brought that up with in connection with that movie before oh never. <laughs> the first yes this movie has had some controversy not really with the movie itself but the, the filmmaker and photographer but we don't need to get into all that um, I, mean, I think it's again like I I just uh, the the attitude and angle you seem to come at all your films with again is context and giving people the respect and opportunity to make choices for themselves you know and that to yeah. me that falls exactly in line and we you know me and you texted back and forth a little bit when you announced this about I was so excited because I'm a you know huge Casim Briot fan um, <clears throat> and to have you know, this, this one being definitely the one in all the things she was involved in, I sure as shit never thought I would be able to have a, a beautiful release with, um, you know, oh, yeah. 
commentaries yeah. and special features on there. I never thought it would happen, but how exciting that was. But again, yeah, you just you just seem to have a lot of respect for your audience. And that's something that I, you know, I really admire. Um, and yeah, I think this movie falls very much in line with that. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I just felt like that's, that's, that is definitely a textbook example of you gotta have, you gotta have context with this one and you can't run, a, you, you, you kind of have to, I feel like address things head on and, um, and, and, and the folks that did the audio commentary, uh, Alexandra Heller Nicholas and, and Josh Nelson, I mean, they were really up to the task there. Um, and yeah, that was an important thing. It was just, it's an opportunity to have some conversation uh, uh, because again, this movie hasn't really, maybe really hasn't had that outside of uh, the much more surface level stuff. So, so to be able to put it in a more academic context and also his historical, yeah, that, that's, that's key. You just can't, you can't just put that out and have no comment on it. I feel like, although of course you can if you want to and say fuck all to the, commentary and and the essays if you want to of course another great soundtrack too love this yeah i'm I'm like another mass that francis lie score yeah yeah the score is the score is incredible and it's not like this is a hard movie to get someone to to watch i mean it it looks gorgeous it's a very sensuous movie uh not for you know certain things but it's i don't know it's still despite whatever the research you do it it's still carries an air of innocence with it and um i don't know it reminds me of when i was watching like uh truffaut films as a young as a young lad like there's a there's just a carefree uh you know youthful quality to the movie or like a looking back on youth right with some with some with some sadness some with some wistfulness and nostalgia and also the 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 uh the artwork on the uh on the release oh, is yeah. I, I mean I'm nostalgic for thinking of those old foreign film VHS. Yeah, yeah. That was hey. the most fun, honestly. I mean that was that was the most fun uh most fun packaging design um that I've done for sure. It was one of the few that we didn't have say like a new painting for new 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 art. So um yeah for one reason or another we just didn't on this one but it was fun to just kind of play with the whole vhs tape era nostalgia for sure glad you i'm glad you dug it and i think a lot of people have like probably bought there's probably a good number of people that bought it because of the packaging more than anything else so which i you know i'm i'm obviously i think we prioritize the films above that but it's an important component you know, the, the way the, the thing looks and feels. So. Yeah. Well, it, it made me realize how much you're, you are kind of like these releases do sort of seem to shoot for a core demographic of age that something like that would mean a lot to someone when you see a VHS tape like that or the design of it, right. it immediately evokes so many memories. It makes it honestly wanted. I was like, now I really want to watch the movie. Right, right. No, absolutely. And I mean, look, it hasn't been in circulation for a while. Um, and it was a title that when it had its greatest popularity, it was in the VHS and the cable, you know, pay cable era. Um, but at the same time, 
at the same time, there's the younger generation that was not around at all for this stuff. And they have the nostalgia for, they have a almost, I would say a lot of the fandom or the collectors for this uh, obsolete, these obsolete physical media forms are people that were not around at all for it. Because yeah. the people that were are like, why the fuck would you be messing around with VHS <laughs> or beta? You know, it's the same thing with the people that complain about vinyl. The old, the older folks that are like, I I have no use for vinyl ever again. I got my CDs. You know, they're pissed. They're actually pissed off that the vinyl came back in a way because because <laughs> they gave it away basically for nothing, and now it's like, oh, that shit's worth money, and I gave that shit away for you know pennies. Um, Anyway, so I, I think there's actually a younger audience that, you know, and I, I know this from friends of mine who sell for, a, who make, who sell records and sell other physical media for a living. And they sell a lot of like CDs, you know, RCA select division, like you talk about an obscure, you know, like obscure format at this point. And it's like to like 20 somethings in college. Cause they're like, it looks cool. Even if they don't have a player, it, you know, it's something that they can display. So was there a reason why this one you wanted to go with a design like that? Or was just an excuse you were like, oh, fuck it. I'm well, I will just say that artists fell through on that one. Um, oh. and, I'll, and, uh, and it just, so it was kind of like, okay, um, rather than try to find someone else to do new art, uh, I can, we can have fun with like, you know, vintage Warner. I love the Warner clamshells. So, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> Just an op- opportunity. It's a fantasy, obviously, because Bilitus was not a Warner title or a Columbia yeah. title. But you know, it was just like an excuse to sort because those those um because those uh the, those templates uh the 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 you know Columbia RCA Columbia video template and the Warner one and the media ones the, the, they all sort of have become like um they're they're all kind of iconic at this point. So people know that that look though like the warner like the pattern that they would use on those clamshells um which i don't know why they didn't recycle it for the warner archive to be honest with you i think they would have wish i think that would have been a a, to me that was even at the beginning of warner archive i was like okay so you went with this cover with the fucking blue you know and then you just put a little random a random picture from the movie in the middle well that's what they used to do with that's what they did with the vhs but they had that pattern i was like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you bring that back man like i I would have bought more of them probably just for the just for that yeah yeah it's not like there's a lot of kids out there like i need this 1928 alan dwan and uh i'm glad i can yeah i mean i'm just gonna slap a black and white picture and put a plain blue border around oh come on so we got that you got that you got that brilliant you know clamshell uh design template you you guys did 30 years ago just sitting in the you know waiting to be revived but yeah the first warner archive dvd i ever got i thought it was a bootleg they did they did look so bad yeah (laughs) well no yeah i don't know if they still even do this but i remember they used to kind of have that little disclaimer on them that's like these are made to order like this you know it's almost like this is shitty but it's the best you're gonna get yeah yeah i don't know i don't they they i don't know if they still do i haven't i haven't uh because also like they they did up you know i I, the most recent things i've got from them have been blu-rays obviously and so those are you know new new restorations so they don't need to put that disclaimer on there but yeah some of the stuff they put on the dvds was just like wow 
um, yeah, it was totally just, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there usually was even like frame issues. I mean, maybe someone can speak more uh, intelligently about this, but I remember the uh, Warner archive for uh, Choi Hawk's uh, The Blade. I always felt like it looked cropped. Oh, tons of their stuff was cropped. Like, What's the like, national like movie horribly. you let me borrow, man? The which one? Didn't you let me borrow one of your Tashlin, like Warner archive DVDs? Oh, the remake of uh, Susan Slept Here. Oh yeah, and that w- it's sixty frames a second and cropped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I put it into my player, my player like started making these crazy noises, and I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> Oh, that's one of the most. Yeah, that's the jankiest one they. I've, yeah. Well, thankfully, uh, people like you are making sure that's not the case for home video releases. Um, I guess that that brings us up. Uh, we, we, you know, we've touched on things already a little, but you've got a uh, Yvonne Passer double bill. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's 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 true. It's true. Uh, we we did we did a uh, yeah we we did an early tease on the. Um, on the cutter's way, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, as you as you know, which is not typical for us, but sort of a special case. So yes, born to win, and then and then uh, and then cutter. Uh, yeah, no, it's exciting. I, I, there's there's more passer I would love to do if it were if you know if it if it became possible. So I was hoping you could get all the ones with Karen Black, and then you can have that can be the biggest representation in your label. <laughs> Karen, Karen Black box set, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's what? Let's see. Wait, I wrote them down because I forgot. Born to Win, Law and Disorder, Crime and Passion, all Karen Black in Passer movies. Yeah, Karen Black in a cuck movie, too. Passion. <laughs> I forgot that Karen Black was in those, to be honest with you. I actually haven't seen what was the third one you mentioned? Uh Crime and Passion. Yeah, that one I still I, I've never I've not seen that one, but I don't I didn't remember that she was in Law and Disorder. Oh. Yeah, and I, I still haven't seen Law and Disorder, but when I was looking, because I remembered Crime and Passion, because <laughs> I just love that there exists a world where her and Omar Sharif are in a movie together. <laughs> and he's the bull. She's the, yeah, the cut queen. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, <clears throat> um, you know, anything is, uh, anything's possible. I mean, it doesn't have a huge filmography, so yeah, we could become... We could become the home for passer. <laughs> yeah, Will's Will's new favorite one is his uh, uh, Lord Byron, Mary Shelley. Have you seen that Haunted Summer? Ha- Haunted Summer? No, actually, I haven't. It was fascinating. It certainly does not work entirely, but uh, I mean, young Laura Dern in there, and the the weirdest casting though. And I told John as soon as I watched it, Alex Winter. <laughs> randomly in this movie as like the the frustrated uh essentially uh essentially like byron's slave boy like that's like pre pre bill and ted's right maybe like right before bill and ted's yeah yeah it's really yeah it's an interesting movie and they there's some really odd uh opium scenes Mm. it was quite it was quite an experience (laughs) yeah All right, add it to the add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, second this ends, we're all watching Haunted Song. <laughs> oh, yep. And then we're at then we're at your most your most recent release, which I uh, I mean I I imagine you get tired of, but every time you announce something, I have to message you and lose my mind again. But this one, oh no no, I keep doing it, please. <laughs> 
I mean, Dushan Makaveyev is my dude, and Coca-Cola Kid has been a movie. I that that fucking DVD in college. The amount of people I tried to get because they would borrow, they would come for you know, sweet movie and WR, of course. And I would be like, okay, I'll let you borrow those. But if you promise to watch Coca-Cola Kid, please, no one ever would. <laughs> what is it about, what was it about Coca-Cola Kid that you felt such an affinity for? At the time I was like, from this like provocative, you know, like avant-garde filmmaker, what is, what is this thing? And it blew my mind. I just thought it was so funny. And that really changed, like it immediately kind of uh, helped me not be a canon asshole, I think, <laughs> with movie stuff because canon with one N or two. <laughs> Your choice. But can you know it's funny to bring because canon is actually canon films is in, is is actually apt here, even though Coca-Cola Kid was not released by Canon, because Canon did do they did attempt to do more serious releases, art sort of art house they tried to reach the art house crowd and often with these with these uh with these eastern european auteurs uh say like a like, like a guy like konchalovsky and runaway train um or godard even yeah we're good yeah right it, what, what was it uh was it lear what what did they yeah what, they did King 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 Lear. Lear. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. I, yeah so anyway coca-cola kid easily could have been one of those films where they it's almost Almost, um, I mean, what makes it such a, um, well, such a, like a bizarre film is because it's this marriage between, um, a, 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 you know, provocative uh, uh, European auteur filmmaker. And then, but this is a movie that was designed to be a, a commercial success. Um, and it's a, and that's why it's like such an odd, it's, it's weird because it kind of, is trying to do these two things that that most people wouldn't really attempt. Um, but I guess at that time, it actually there were probably are other examples uh, like that. Uh, it is it is just like a movie that's going to be so fucking weird to an audience. that's like, ooh, Eric Roberts and Greta Skaki and Australia. It's going to be like, what the fuck is this with like the family of mice? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm gonna I don't want to spoil. Shit. But anyway, or it's or it's going to be not or it's going to be too much too commercial, too much of a crass commercial attempt by folks that are more uh, coming to it from having seen and being familiar with the earlier films um, that he made. So I don't know if it's entirely successful or not. It's not you know, it's definitely not a it's not a it's not a resounding like everyone loves this movie it's so, uh, or everyone it's hates it uh, it's definitely a somewhere in the middle but yes. it's 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 definitely if nothing else it's i mean it's not boring no. nothing else yeah and that's what i that's the kind of movie that i'm always drawn to the most like a swing for the fences i will always be here for whether or not it succeeds entirely yeah. you just do something fucking wild and out there i'll be I'll, I'll at least come to the theater yeah i mean yeah exactly something and yeah I, or one of the films with called something wild specifically <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well and satire is always gonna have i think a harder shake especially if it's really good satire yeah. you know it's kind of designed to maybe not be engaged with but, you know, like it's if, if it were bad satire, you know, you I think everyone would be like, I get this. Like that is the joke. 
Mm-hmm. And a movie like the Coca-Cola Kid, it, it's it's way more, um, it's less on the sleeve. It, it's it's uh, and and it's funnier for that, right? Because you know it's a very funny movie, right? But like you say, it has it's it's like who's the target here? Is it a uh, is it the Australians or is it the uh, ugly American in the you know big from the big corporate uh, behemoth or or what? Because it kind of is a. It, it is it is it is sort of taking shots but then also isn't entirely it's not entirely one one way and it's not entirely nasty either right or it has it has a lot of gentler aspects to it as well yeah and and it definitely plays with the idea of this character i mean I, I, every time he talks about it, he's like you know and i was a marine you know <laughs> i mean hilarious but yeah he he's he, you know that's blowing anything he had, yeah it's very sensitive moments too so it's constantly flipping you back and forth about like how do i identify with this person and i and i and i also think that's kind of like um it's it's kind of like a very it's very emblematic of eric roberts his like career as a leading man and his kind of this he was never a superstar he was close but he was also just a little, always a little, a little weird or unsettling uh, to varying degrees. So much so that I watched like the Cisco and Ebert um, review of Coca-Cola Kid, uh, which is funny because you could just find almost any of their reviews now on YouTube. And some of them are in incredible quality too, like broadcast quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Coca-Cola Kid review, I think they both gave it a thumbs up, but Gene was actually much more into Gene. This was one that Gene was really a big champion of. And Roger, Roger was more kind of begrudging. Um, And he says at some point, he's like, yeah, but Gene, this guy, Eric Roberts, it almost just seems like he's still the guy from star 80 and he's going to start killing Australian people. (laughs) 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 So it, it shows how, how again he 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 was in people's heads and and there was difficulty separating say eric roberts from paul snyder in star in coke you know coca-cola kit which is a couple of years after star 80 but then at the same time there were some he was there's some stories that he wasn't the most easiest guy to work with uh, he was kind of method and wasn't very uh, greta Skaki, was not positive about her at all about her time with Eric Roberts and has told stories. And there's an interview on our Blu-ray, a, a, an archival interview with Greta Skaki, where she goes into a lot of this stuff. And, and I think they do, someone did say, yeah, he still kind of acted like he was that guy from uh, star 80. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so Roger Eber was right in his, uh, in <laughs> that's what I his thought was part. funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> Because in a way, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of outrageous, but then at the same time, I mean, apparently, yeah, what, I guess I guess it all goes, to, it's all to say that even when I'm watching the movie, uh, I think this guy, is, he is a good example of what we were talking about before, someone who is, who is messy, who is crunchy, who does some shit that's kind of like, what the fuck is that? And then at other times is like really he's really sweet and he's really got a uh he's got a he's got a loving quality and then other times um it's more sociopath like uh you know yeah. 
uh, and that's why, yeah, that's why it's a movie that wasn't a hit when it came out and is still going to divide people now. Yeah. But yeah. you think it's like, he is a messy bitch and you think that that movie, like, <laughs> you know, maybe this is, maybe this is its time. I mean, if nothing else, uh, I mean, you can, this is one where I have to say, uh, the audio commentary, uh, there's there's two people on it. One one guy's really great on it. Uh, that's Lars Lars Nilsson, who's uh, a, a great uh, uh, programmer at the Austin Film Society. The other guy on there is me, um, and uh, I I think I think Lars would probably quite okay on his own, but uh, but he wanted some support on there, so I'm I'm on there. So anyway, um, I'm not. That's not my my goal. Is usually not to be up front and center on on these uh on these discs but uh it was um uh <clears throat> just kind of a necessary uh evil i suppose for this release but hopefully you get something out of it from from the commentary lars i think brings uh, a lot of interesting uh points about uh how it ties to makaveev's uh, earlier work and so yeah if nothing else if you don't it, it, you know hopefully if you if you're left confused by the movie and you want to um you know you might you might be enlightened by that uh and we also have an essay in the booklet uh by a writer named spike carter who uh writes for uh airmail amongst other uh other outlets that did a really nice fun city editions uh, profile uh, about a month ago um but he's also a filmmaker and he was actually working on a uh, a documentary about eric roberts I guess it's still, it was a, almost going to be an HBO thing. I, I think he's still kind of trying to make it happen. But so anyway, a good guy to have write something about an Eric Roberts uh, movie and sort of positing it in the Eric Roberts uh, sphere universe, which is kind of accurate because the guy's got like 800 something credits, I think at this point on the IMDb, he is like his own universe. This is that brief period. This is that period when Eric Roberts was, for a time, a, a, a an up and comer and 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 like legit uh, leading man in you know major major films. Uh, you know, albeit in looking back on them, all 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 pretty odd oddball <laughs> kinds of uh, movies. Hope of Greenwich Village, Star Eighty, this one, Runaway Train. Yeah, yeah he never really got away from the kind of offbeat. And also, this does seem to really fit in line with what Makhachev was doing at this time. I mean, this is kind of a new career, this new phase for his filmmaking, where he is making a lot more satirical, sort of like more black comedy sort of stuff, and taking the formal aspects that were a little more scattered and um, freer associated, or whatever you want to say, and trying to apply them to more a little straightforward storytelling. Right. His previous his previous film Montenegro had been probably his biggest success overall. So much, so much so that it was marketed. Coca Cola Kid was heavily marketed as, as you know, from the maker, from the from the director of Montenegro. And you know, of course, that has less resonance now because, again, because Montenegro is another one of those films that has sort of slipped through the cracks yeah. since when this movie was made. Yeah, I also like how you brought up that you looked up the Siskel and Ebert review because I find myself doing that all the time when applicable. It's just fun. I, I I recently watched theirs on uh, Speed Two Cruise Control, and they both loved it. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it was shocking. Okay. I, 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 you know, I was hung over and I was like, you know, I, I feel like a little Jan de Bond sort of day. You know, we're just going <laughs> to close it off a little bit. Because I had seen Speed or rewatched it when I was home for Christmas. And I was like, damn, this movie still pops. So I was like, this is the time. Let's go through. Let's watch the sequel to Laura Croft Tomb Raider, finally. And also, they love that, too. <laughs> so, really? Oh. Yeah, they were wow. huge Jan de Bont heads. <laughs> oh, I tend yeah. to like my favorite Ebert reviews. John, we've talked about it before, but when he's literally like physically upset, like yeah. whether he's sweating or can't sit still. And it's usually like, you know, of course, the famous Blue Velvet, the Glass House on the left. But one of my favorites in recent years is when I found the one for Extro. He is fucking furious. Wait, are, we talk, are you talking Ebert or, or, or Siskel? Ebert, Ebert. Oh, Ebert. Yeah. Like when he, and it's usually with violence. It's usually related to violence. And when he is just truly like quivering because he's so mad that this movie exists. Oh, I love it. Gotta I love, love the passion, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I might have to, I might have to check that one out. Um, <laughs> well, that was probably upset a lot of people because it was like after E.T. and all those, um, all the other movies that were about mean aliens, like the thing, they they suffered in comparison. Uh, yeah, which is funny like, to think about. And 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 and, and Extro's uh, tagline was like, "Not all extra, extraterrestrials are friendly." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like really kind of uh, you know shoving it in your face, which I, yeah. I think it's good. Oh, yep. Well, uh, with uh, is there obviously you know no pressure, but is there anything you? Uh, want to tease or talk about you're excited about coming up or you know even just next announcement people can look out for whatever it may be well i mean the the cutters announcement is sort of like a sort of we already did that with a pre-release tease and we're working on some really cool stuff for that new stuff that is going to be completely you know new for our our edition which uh, i think awesome. people are going to really appreciate and another thing that we have coming up, we haven't discussed this movie on this episode, but Walking the Edge, one of our earlier releases, uh, the, the Robert Forster, Joe Spinell, Nancy Kwan, L.A. revenge thriller from 1983. Uh, we are releasing a novelization that is like a updated version of Walking the Edge. So it's it's not it's not straight up the, the movie version. It's been wow it, the bones it's the story but it's been updated <laughs> and things have been changed and it's also got uh like real it has illustrate it's sort of a graphic it's a nov, it's a novella and a graphic novel because it has uh new illustrations by uh ben mara wow so, who's a, uh who people who are in the comic world will know his name and you could look him up uh so that's pretty cool i'm it's awesome. <laughs> uh, and I think it's going to be available before our next uh, Blu-ray release. Our next Blu-ray will be in July. And I'm very excited about that one. But I'm going to leave that under wraps for now. But I think in the meantime, we'll have some more merch come out. And, um, and we'll have, I think, the Walking the Edge novel sometime in that period, too. Red. And we we uh we always like to ask people uh well when we remember we often forget but we like to ask people um is there anything you've watched recently 
can be, you know, could be a new release, could be something old that you watch for the first time uh, that just really lit you up. That you were well, I did. I, I, you know, one thing that I'm that I strive to do that I need to do a lot more. I feel like than I've been doing for for a while now because I've been so sort of my headspace has been so much more in trying to digging up, think, dig things up from the past. So that I've been remiss in, you know, seeing contemporary films. So I finally saw. Uh, Gaspar Noé's Vortex. Uh, yes. Yeah, oh. and that, yeah, that 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 definitely hit me like a, you know, oh, like a yeah. Mack truck. Yeah. You know, on the subway platform. You know, even with the mask on, you know, it can't really. If you start losing your shit, um, you're kind of like, hey, I'm not crying here on the. Subway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's just a some reaction from this mask. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that 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 tough, that 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 blew me away. Um, this was definitely um, so. That's something new. So it's obviously not going to be uh, a, a future fun city release anytime soon. That's the other thing is like I got to be careful because because uh, also I am looking at a lot of things that are potentially not everything I watch is potentially a fun city release, but I that's a lot of stuff. A lot of times, what I do, and then uh, you know. And people like will latch on to that stuff if they find out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there are there are people that like look at, um, for instance, uh, my colleague uh, at uh, Vinegar Syndrome at OCN, Justin LaLiberty, and mm-hmm. he's very like he's not his you know letterbox profile or what have you is not is is his name. So when like, people look at that all the time, they're like, oh, he watched this and he watched that. These are must be future uh, Vinegar Syndrome or partner yeah. label <laughs> releases <laughs> i mean it's good to have those fans don't get me wrong i, I mean I, <laughs> I those people exist yeah. but um yeah the, the preoccupation with like what's coming next or why are they, you know what are you going to do next it's it's sometimes it's a little overwhelming it's sort of, it's like well let's talk about this shit that's already out there you know yeah let's, yeah spread yeah. the word more come on <laughs> let's, have, let's have a little fun why don't you tell us the july release and i'll use the bleep button on <laughs> Oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually... Uh... Oh, shit. No way. Oh, wow. Damn. If only everyone else knew what that was going to be. It's good we're not all in the same room because I just shit my pants. That's how excited y'all are going to be about that one. And it's so funny that they don't know, but we do. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, hey. Um. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by, man. This is uh. We're obviously, you know, we're big fans of what you're doing. Um. I'm just. I'm also just so happy that you. Uh. You're getting to do this. I know it's been a something you've been working towards for a long fucking time and putting a lot of endless work towards. Um. So I'm very happy that you that you were doing this, and we're all all these uh all us home video nerds are very lucky for it so thank you for that thank you for you all you home video nerds for still you know being out there and 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 hanging on to that so it's going to be currency in the future so (laughs) (laughs) you're you're only going to get get less interesting so just don't fuck don't fucking worry about it you know like support movie if you want to go that route support fandor um you know, Criterion Channel's been doing good stuff, going hard as of late. Support people like that. Don't worry about the big ones. Just buy these fucking discs instead. It'll be better when the internet collapses anyway, so. Yeah, and you'll want them when you're trying to get water. 
<laughs> yeah, everyone look out because as I said, you will also shit your pants when you hear what's coming in July. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be thinking about it all day. Ha, ha, ha.